Welcome back to the Sound of Poppy podcast. Yo, yo. Hello. Tuesday. It's Tuesday. We're here at the Sound of Strong space. <clears throat> Trying out a little bit of a different audio application today. So I think it's going to go great. But bear with us if we've got some, some funny stuff pop up. Of course, there might be people crushing it in the background. So you might get a little bit of that too. But, you know, that's why we're here. Might be people breathing really loud in the background too. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's why we're here today. We want to do a little deep dive on breath. You know, breath is something that comes up in, in all of our podcast episodes. It's a big part of the DNA of what Sauna Strong is about. Um, Harrison, it's a particular passion and focus for you. And so we thought, you know, instead of just touching on it on each podcast and not really digging into it, let's spend an episode like really diving deep on breath. We're going to be in better hands than here with Mr. Harrison <laughs> providing us with a lot of information on the breath today. Oxygen. Oxy. Oxy. No, I, I, thanks, Brandon. And honestly, it's one of um, the things I want to talk about the most because it's so powerful and every single human does it. And what we found here, it is really part of our DNA and everything we do, we put the breath at the center because it's the most universal performance enhancing tool around. It's something that every single human does and can control. But unfortunately, our society has kind of stripped it away from us and made it an unconscious, involuntary thing that just happens. And if it just happens, that means we aren't optimizing it. We aren't practicing. We don't have awareness around it. So what we really harp on, educate and coach here is First, you need to develop an awareness around the breath because as soon as you become aware of your breathing pattern or rate or style, you're going to start to change it for the better because it impacts you. But if you don't really, if you're not aware of it, you could be breathing through your mouth, for example, and your chest, and it could be very short and shallow and not getting optim optimal blood flow. It's not getting enough oxygen to your brain. It can cause a lot of autoimmune diseases. It's going to make us more tired in workouts. It's not going to give us as much energy. But if you have awareness and you start to learn what we talk about, nasal lower body breathing, and those two things right there, nasal breathing through your nose and lower body breathing through your belly and ribs will change your life. Without very much practice, it will start to give us benefits. But then as we start to build a foundation on it and really learn how to do it and develop a practice with it, we can apply it and it changes every area of our life in a really powerful way because in every single setting, every single moment we're breathing. And I kind of want to just break something down, but just take a second to pay attention to your breath right now. First off, understand, are you breathing through your nose or are you breathing through your mouth? How is your quality and rate of your breath that means what's the pattern like is it short and shallow or is it slow and deep and then where is it coming from is it coming from your chest or is it coming from your lower body almost between the hips as we inhale we really want our belly and ribs to expand outward and we just relax and fill up and our exhales are actually active and we want to contract our ribs pull our belly button to our spine and really try to empty all the air a lot of issues we have is we have stale air 
that stays inside our system and we don't exhale enough. So we don't really understand that exhale is an active motion that we can push air out to stretch our lungs down and then create more inhalation, which is going to increase circulation and really help our whole body optimize itself. And obviously that gets a little sciency because it's going to have blood oxygen changes and um, biochemical changes from correct biomechanics. But in essence, it's really just learning how to inhale and then actively exhale. And I know Luis has been really starting to apply this in workouts and and now we're starting to understand how powerful the breath is, not just for daily living, but applying it to the stressors that we have here at Sauna Strong. So just to back it up there, a couple things stuck out, uh, nasal and lower body breathing. And then we, we went through the idea that, you know, you should really be filling your belly on the inhale and really actively pushing air out on the exhale. And uh, singers are really familiar with this idea because they're, you know, through vocal, um, vocal training exercises, you know, the, the school of thought is to use your diaphragm and the muscles yes. uh, in, your, in your, you know, your lower body section to actually actively make those decisions and make those movements. So it really is a muscle group and it really is an exercise just to breathe first and foremost, the most fundamental exercise. Yeah. <laughs> One, to put it kind of in, in a different perspective, I always love making a, analogies uh, to compare things, but almost think of, I think we can think of the breath almost very similar to the squat. You know, uh, the squat is a human natural position that we have. Nobody taught you how to squat when you were a toddler and you were trying to take your first steps into the world. Nobody's ever teaching you how to breathe, really. You know how to do it. We just disconnect with doing it all of the time. Similar to the squat, we start wearing shoes. We disconnect our feet from the ground. You stop, You start sitting on a chair. You're not being mindful of what the heck is going on with the ground, with my feet, with my position. Am I spending enough time on a squat position or am I approaching the squat position as an exercise all of the time? And same thing with the breath. We disconnect ourselves to being mindful of the breath and tapping into, hey, this is the most incredible tool that we have that regulates our nervous system and allows us to deal with the stress all of the time, you know? So it's such a powerful tool it's very unfortunate that we just, we kind of disregard those things, you know? And a lot of these human functions, we tend to detach a lot these days because of the way we're living in society. That's really interesting. Um, I read an article recently that was a study on the deep squat as like a resting position. And the Eastern world does this much more naturally than the Western world, modern times. Um, so just that idea of the fundamental like connectedness to the ground and that just like breath, it's something that, you know, sort of through evolution um, is, is super natural. It's, it's um, insane. That, that connection with, the, with nature. Mm -hmm. the, the, I kid you know, ever since I started being more barefoot, I felt like I became healthier. It's just so crazy. Mm -hmm. You did. Probably. And I, I did. <laughs> I became healthier. I became more aware also of how I'm using my feet. I think, you know, Brandon, you hit on a couple of good points there. Um, I would 
bet that those people who can sit naturally in a deep squat have a better breathing pattern. 100%. You know, and that means you're going to be a healthier human. Those are two super simple things. Um, and it's just crazy how it's getting stripped away from us. And I think I can go through a few reasons why it happens. When in America, you know, we go to chairs at a pretty young age. We start sitting in chairs. And then now we're not squatting, you know. And now our backs can hunch easier and our posture can be compromised. And we actually don't need to use our diaphragm strength to support ourselves as much. In a squat, you have to use your diaphragm and your posture muscles to support yourself while you're squatting. As soon as you start to sit in a chair, it makes it easier. And we do that at a young age. We go to school at three, four, we're sitting in a chair, you know? And on top of that, we also see Superman and Popeye, for example, when we're young kids. And these guys have massive chests and their belly is super tucked in and and six packs are huge, you know? And then all the little kids are like, I want to be like that. Or our parents are walking around with a big, broad chest to try to kind of show some dominance as males in particular. But that means our our gut's going to be sucked in and we're going to be bracing our core in order to look a type of way that society kind of wants us to look. Otherwise, we'll get made fun of or be ridiculed or, or whatever it is. So we're scared to let our belly hang out. If we don't let our belly hang out, we can't take a good full breath cycle. So if we're sitting in chairs and we're seeing these actors and superheroes that are kind of fake in a way, you know, and they're compromising their breathing, we're going to listen to them or look at them and respond to how whatever they're doing. And it's going to take away our functional breathing that is just a part of us. So it's, it's actually so crazy how the squat ties into us losing breathing, like sitting in chairs, but also what we see in society too. And then on the singer side of things, this is why I, at the beginning I said exhale is active. The exhale is actually the more important than the inhale. The inhale is just mellow. It's relaxed. We really don't have to do anything with it. We just let it happen. The exhale, that's when you talk, sigh, yawn, sing, yell, scream. Any vocalization happens on an exhale. So as soon as you learn to really empty all that air out, you're going to be able to take a more biomechanically sound inhalation which is going to increase our lung capacity, which is going to, and actually, Luis and I were talking about this earlier, but the diaphragm serves as a second heart in some ways because it talks to our thoracic pump that pumps blood throughout our body. And our inhale and exhale is kind of like an ocean wave. On the inhale, our when we inhale, our belly and ribs expand, our diaphragm flattens, and it actually starts to bring blood into the heart. On our exhale, our diaphragm lifts up. It's shortens our lungs and it pushes oxygen through, I mean, blood throughout our body and oxygen. So thinking about our diaphragm, it's a postural muscle, but it moves 50,000 times a day. It can move 50,000 times a day and we might be moving it at a 40% of its capacity. If we start to get it to 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 of its actual capacity, it's going to make profound impacts on our blood pressure, our circulation, our, our immune function, our immune system. And then you can take it to the other stressors that we like to apply here. But just thinking about like diaphragm is a postural muscle that we do nothing to train. We're not aware of it. And you, when we breathe through our mouth, for example, we don't even recruit our diaphragm. So now over time, if we're breathing through our mouth and we're sitting in chairs and we have bad posture, we don't have any muscle memory or neurological connections to take a deep breath. 
So we store all this stale air in our chest and we're constantly in fight or flight if that happens. And that's how a lot of Amer- Americans in particular operate. And it's it's crazy because it, it's literally just our breathing. That's all. And we do it all the time. We just lost sight of it. Yeah, I think um, going into the aspect of society that we are under attack all of the time, stress is always a component of our lives every day, you know? And we are trying to hone in with sauna strong with these modalities of what we're trying to teach people how to become a better version of a human is understanding how how to deal with the stress uh, in different environments. My favorite to talk about besides exercise is literally the cold water. You know, the cold water to me, it has been the greatest teacher I ever had. Like I kid you not, Brandon, I... I go back to the first time I got in cold water uh, with the idea of, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what this does to me, you know? And the first thing that I noticed was I went into hyperventilation. So I knew, okay, my body's stressing a lot right now. And little that I knew that all I needed to do was start thinking of my breathing and getting it to a point that it became second nature, which is, it takes a little bit of training to get there, you know, where it's like your body's already doing what it's supposed to do, but you're not thinking about it anymore, but you kind of open the door for it to start happening. So it's like learning how to relax through your breath when you get in that cold water, breathing literally through the nose all of the time. You're When you're under stress, it's like <sighs> through the mouth, Okay. And explaining that to people when they're going to do the cold water for the first time is very important. And I kid you not, every time we are able to teach that that little piece right at the beginning to any individual, it makes a massive difference. And then you start like going so deep into your own body, into your own like mindset. Once you start calming down your breath and making amends with that cold water and that cold water is medicine. It's, it will act so hard on you if you're fighting with it. It's almost like squeezing you out. Whatever you might be dealing with is going to come when you're in that cold water, you know? So through the breath, you can actually let go completely and just be. And then the only thing that you're probably very aware of is your breath. So when, and, and you, you see it in meditation these days, you know, like, when you're fully, fully meditating, you're probably the only thing that you might be very aware of is your breathing. You know, it's such a powerful thing. And I, I was just telling Harrison during the break here, like it is like, it's so deep. We're barely scratching the surface of all of this thing. But it's so fascinating to me to know like, hey, the first thing that you did was take a breath when you were born. And the last thing that you're going to do is take your last breath before you die. How are you doing that breathing during the, the period that you're going to be here on earth? You know, it's, to me, it's like, I want to explore so deep. Where is this all taking me, you know? And it's, it's really cool to see it from that perspective. Yeah, that's a profound way to put it, you know, sort of the beginning and the end. And then what do you do with the middle? Um, and, and, you know, from personal experience, to just reiterate, you know, the, the training of going into cold water and, uh, you know, mastering the fight or flight 
that you're feeling, the stress management, um, instituting nasal breathing to really focus and slow it down. I experienced that. Um, and, and then it becomes an addiction. I mean, you know, in a, like the healthiest way, mm-hmm. but in a way where like you really feel the effects, the positive effects of, of being in the cold water and that meditative state. I've referenced on here before that it's the first and only time that I've really ever felt like I was able to achieve meditation was in the cold water, focusing on my breath and just listening to sort of the sounds of nature and, and in, being really present. In, in a way, to me, the cold water accelerates you to get to a very deep level of meditation. And to me, there's no other tool out there that can accelerate mm. getting you there like the way that you describe it. If you're just meditating on your own, it might take you several hours to master getting there, you know, but it's, it takes longer. But that cold water is just like, it just strips everything out of you if you let it go, you know? And then you get in that very powerful meditative state that it's really hard to achieve outside of the cold water. Yeah, yeah. The main The main reason for that is when we get into the cold water, we have to survive. When we're sitting and meditating on the ground in paradise in front of an ocean and it's beautiful and comfortable, we don't have to survive, you know? So our primal cortex hasn't been activated. Our fight or flight hasn't been triggered as much. So we don't have to dial and center in on our breathing to control us and allow us to survive in that cold water. So it really makes us meditate in a way, you know, because of the fact that it activates our primal cortex, which when we were evolving, we were getting chased by a tiger. We had to go survive. We had to figure it out. Now in in today's society, we put ourselves in that situation, apply our breathing. We can get into a deep meditative state way faster, like Poppy's saying, than just sitting on the ground meditating or laying and meditating. And it's literally almost because we're forced to do it. And if we resist it, we're not going to have a good experience. We're going to get the heck out of the cold water. We're going to be like, get me out of here. I can't do it. But if we drop in, we're going to get this crazy good experience. And it almost takes you to places like what happened in psychedelics. Like that's literally what happens in our brain, what goes on because we just controlled all the adrenaline that got pumped through us. And we're still staying there in that environment and being super calm and mellow. So it's just like, think about that right there. You can... In three minutes, we've seen people be like, I've never got that meditative in my life. And maybe they do yoga and meditate. But when that happens, it's a comfortable, safe environment. And they don't have to dial themselves in. And in the cold water, you have to dial yourself in. You know That's why it's so powerful for us. Yeah, and then on top of that, um, it doesn't matter how many times you have done it. Like if I tell you guys right now, like, hey guys, we're going to go jump in the cold water right now. You start feeling a little anxious. Yeah. It doesn't. It, it, it doesn't go away. So it's like you're learning that hey, this is a thing that never goes away. It's always gonna feel very gnarly, but how quickly can I get to that meditative state once I get in there? And and it all happens through the breath, which is to me is like is the spinal core of being a human being. Like think of interactions when you're when you get angry with somebody, and you're about to like like go on like the wrong way in an argument or something like that, if you can just calm down through your breathing and just focus on breathing for 10 seconds. And like Harrison was saying, focus on the exhale. 
very slow, shallow, not fighting, it's going to completely change your mindset right away. It's, so again, I go back to the squat, these human mechanics that we have, we, we have, we're an incredible machine that we don't even know how to use, you know? Mm. It's, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. I think um, I would love to get into all the other ways that we can use breath. We have stress management, um, certainly cold water and all the other areas of our lives. Um, but let's uh, put our feet on the ground in the gym and talk about how we can use it before intra-workout, post-workout, um, because there's some really cool ways that you have incorporated breath into workouts here at Sauna Strong, um, ways that I now can't do a workout without doing uh, just because of the effects that I feel that show up. Um, and I think that it would just be cool to talk through um, the different types and what those mean and maybe what's happening, like why they have an effect and a positive impact. Yeah, that's, it's changing everything, how we're approaching workouts, you know, and just like you said, now you can't do it without because you feel in flow state. That's what's happening. But before a workout, for example, you want to upregulate your nervous system. You want to energize yourself. The way to do that is actually by big, deep, powerful breathing and actually intentionally stressing ourselves a little, which maybe sounds a little weird, but we are, by doing big, powerful breaths, we're, we're stressing ourselves out. But what we're doing is warming up our pulmonary system, our respiratory system, before our muscular system starts firing during the workout. So a lot of times we might just hop into a workout and right away our muscles are going to start to feel really fatigued because we didn't get our pulmonary system, our breathing system, fired up and warmed up and we started to use our muscles and then they get flooded with lactic acid and our brain's like, oh boy, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. So I tap out. Instead, what we do is really energize our pulmonary system. We do big, deep diaphragmatic breathing. Sometimes we'll actually go through the mouth to get more oxygen to our muscles and tissues. And then we'll go into breath holds. And you upregulate your nervous system with the big, deep breaths. So it'll kind of sound like this. So by me doing that, I'm actually taking more oxygen in than I'm letting go. So I'm creating alkalinity in my body and I'm pushing off carbon dioxide. And then we'll go into a big breath hold at the end. Let's say we do 20 of those breaths. We'll take a big inhale. We'll exhale all the air. We'll hold our breath. When we hold our breath, carbon dioxide builds up in our system. But carbon dioxide is actually more important than oxygen, which is crazy. But if we can become tolerant to carbon dioxide through breath holds, what it does is builds a buffer for lactic acid to build up. So now we have this, this buffer resistance for lactic acid to build up that was going to fatigue our muscles during the workout because carbon dioxide actually makes hemoglobin or oxygen, hemoglobin carries oxygen and makes it deliver it to our muscles and tissues more readily because it dilates our blood vessels. So carbon dioxide builds up in our system, opens up our blood vessels, and then oxygen flows through easier. So it's doing that before a workout is so essential to not fatiguing early in a workout and optimizing our oxygen delivery to working muscles during the workout. And then during the workout, you wanna be breathing through your nose and you wanna control your nervous system through nasal breaths and Comparing our exhale to our exertion, for example. So we're as efficient as possible with our breathing muscles and our other working muscles. 
So then we would pair our breath to our movement and focus on nasal breathing. I think what we're learning with that is at first it takes a long time to build your foundation too. Like you're not going to be a good nasal breather your first time doing it and go crush a workout like you were doing with your mouth. So you got to scale back, but that's okay. You know, we all can change and adapt and scale things back because over time, your threshold, the carbon dioxide tolerance, your efficiency is going to be way, way higher. And the people I like to cite for this are the, like the masters of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, the Gracies. They even wrote a book. Royce Gracie wrote a book called um, Breathe a Life and Flow. It's all about applying breathing to jiu-jitsu and his life. But they would train all nasal breathing at about 70% effort every single day. They would never go 100 in training, but they'd breathe through their nose the whole time. So then on the fight day, they had 100% in their tank and they had this strong anaerobic capacity through nasal breathing. And as soon as their opponent opened their mouth, they were like, this guy's done because he's gonna. I'm going to outwork him because I'm not going to get tired. So they weren't beating themselves up, but they were building this constant steady anaerobic threshold through breathing. And then they were more efficient during the match and they were 100% healthy and they would go crush it. So that talks all about during the workout, breathe through your nose and scale things back a little bit. But over time, it's going to make you a way way better, more optimal, efficient human being with your working muscles during exercise. And then just to kind of chop away at the last part here, and then I want to go back during the workout, but after a workout, do some down-regulating breathing. And what we do here is box breathing. So that'd be a four-second inhale, a four-second hold on full, four-second exhale, four-second hold on empty. And that's going to slow our heart rate down, down down-regulate our nervous system. It balances us out more. And then it allows us to trans- transition from fight or flight to a more rest and digest and recovery mode as we go on to our other activities in the day. But I kind of want Poppy to hop in and talk about during a workout, we're starting to throw in breath holds and triangle breathing patterns. And what is that doing and, and why is it important? Before we jump into that, thank you so much. I wanted to ask one clarifying question. During the upregulating, um, where we're taking big breaths in and sort of shallow breaths out and then repeating that. And then you're going into holds. Uh, Is there a specific time that you want to hold, like keep it consistent? Or are you looking for an effect or a feeling? That's a great question. So two two answers there. We want to always get over 30 seconds. When we get over 30 seconds, it actually contracts our spleen. When our spleen contracts, the spleen is basically the blood bank for the body. So when the spleen contracts, it releases more red blood cells into circulation. Red blood cells carry oxygen, you know, so then it's going to deliver more oxygen. So that's one thing, 30 seconds or greater. But then from there, you actually want to keep pushing it, pushing your level and your tolerance, because in essence, you're learning how to control stress better and building a bigger buffer for lactic acid. So the longer you can hold, the more of a buffer you'll have. It's going to be gnarly and hard though, you know what I mean? So you got to slowly build it. Um, but you want to get over 30 seconds and then hopefully keep pushing the threshold as you start to do this more. But that's a great, great question. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for uh, walking us through that a little bit. Poppy, tell us about doing some breath exercises during the workout. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the most important thing is learning how to be more efficient with your breath. And it happens through being more efficient at breathing through the nose and only, only, only allowing yourself to tap into mouth breathing when you're doing a very, very, very intense 
effort. Uh, but even when you're doing a very, very, very intense effort, how quickly can you go back into nasal breathing because you're going to maximize your recovery time. Um, so kind of going into what Harrison was talking about, the graces and the, their training philosophy of the 70% is a very powerful like concept to try to incorporate into, into the exercise. You know, like think of a car. You go buy a brand new car right now and you start driving that car on very high RPMs. I bet you it's not going to last you that long. If you buy a car and you start driving it without letting those RPMs go into the rail constantly, and you're trying to be very mindful of how you're driving that engine, it will last you way longer than the other car. You know what I mean? So it's the same thing with the body. How much are you abusing it? How much can you build that 70%? So with the graces, what they discover is like they will constantly be training at 70% effort all of the time, breathing through the nose all of the time. And over time, in, in a one-year period, they, they will test it out with a brand new athlete that if that person was at their 70% uh, training at the beginning, at the end of the year, that 70% will be way much higher. They will be able to lift heavier. They will be able to go into harder matches, but in their mind, they're like, oh, I'm still operating at 70%. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's a very unique situation, that concept. Like, hey, take care of how you're picking up your battles, basically. When are you going into a very high effort? And there's room for that. Don't get me wrong. And we're all athletes. We're all trying to compete sometimes, you know, but hey, dial yourself more often and put that presence to the breath as often as possible because it's going to help you become a better human being. Uh, so with that said, uh, we try to teach people that, I mean, there's, there's only like a spinal cord of human movement, you know, like I call it the, the pillars of human strength, pushing, pulling, hinging, squatting, developing core capacity and having a strong grip. So how are you breathing when you're doing those human-like motions that you should know how to do without anyone really teaching you and pairing it with inhale, exhale, to give you a, a, an example again with the, with the squat, you know? A proper way of squatting should be, you should be taking a very deep inhale at the top of the squat, you hold as you go down, then you exhale as you go up. So teaching people those very simple human breathing mechanics to start applying them to the point that it becomes something that you do regularly and you're not thinking about that all of the time, you know? And that will, over time, develop your anaerobic capacity. Then you can go heavier, you can go faster, but you're still operating in that concept of that 70%, you know? Uh, and then you're only going, like somebody that really is dialed with their breath, you will know if they're doing a really high effort if you see them breathing through their mouth. But most of the people are working always with, they're not even aware of that, and they're mouth breathing all of the time, you know? Um, but then we have developed this, we call it crocodile breath holds, you know? It's a, like a micro dose in a workout of dealing with the stress. And if anyone has ever done a wild dopamine workout here with us at Sauna Strong, we always throw it at the end of a flow on a workout on Saturdays. And it is the hardest freaking thing that you're going to do during the workout. And it sounds so silly because what we're doing is we create a human flow-like of motions, exercises, 
And then we're tapping into, at the very end of that flow, into a five, five second hold on empty, where you're laying on the ground with your belly attached to the ground. That's why it's called a crocodile. Yeah. Um, and then you're taking a very deep inhale, completely getting to a, an exhale. So trying to get to your, like empty your tank basically. And then at that point, you count five seconds, really, really slow. And then you do five of those. And how quick or how many can you stack in a row when you're doing those breath holes? And it becomes a lot of stress. You feel all of the time like, wow, I'm about to pass out. I feel like I'm choking. I cannot deal with this thing. I cannot do another one right away when I get done with this one. I need to count faster. So you start playing with all of those little stressors in your mind. And then controlling that sensation with your brain, you start becoming like, you, you almost feel like Superman. You're like, wow, I'm dealing with this gnarly sensation here, but I, I'm in control. And then what happens is like, as you continue the flow of movement, everything starts to get a little more dial, a little more dial. And then at the end of the workout, you almost feel like you just jump in the cold water because you've been tapping into that stress like mindfully. And now you feel like, wow, I, I, I dealt with a lot of stress during this workout and I feel very good. And you were not like taxing your body. If anything, you were just teaching your body how to deal, how to grab the oxygen better and, and, and use it more efficiently while applying like that level of stress in your mind. Yeah, it's like how can you not beat up your body but still get the benefits of a workout and also get the dopamine and adrenaline and mindfulness and nervous system release of cold water and sauna in a workout. Like that's really what's going on neurologically when we're doing breath holds during a workout is we're putting ourselves in panic trying to control that response and then learning how to stay calm. So we're not we're not hurting our bodies at all but we're putting our brain in this really kind of a think about when you're underwater and you're like i gotta get up from the water and you're kind of suffocating think about that during a workout if you hold your breath for five seconds when your heart rate's super high it's one of the gnarly sensations you can put yourself in but if you can do it and stay calm and i, I promise you what's happening is this carbon dioxide's building up and it's helping us with lactic acid exchange and flushing out lactic acid our muscles are and our brain are in flow state now so now our muscles are so tapped in and our mind is so tapped in because we had to induce a little bit of panic but again like if we don't put ourselves in a little stress we're not going to respond or adapt and it completely evolves the workout it makes it easier even though we're becoming more efficient and probably getting a better workout than if we're just beating ourselves up breathing through our mouth and on on top of that one thing i wanted to hit on is like Luis was saying, when you're at max exertion, you're breathing through your mouth. That's when our secondary breathing muscles start to work. Our neck and shoulders are secondary breathing muscles. Our primary breathing muscles are our diaphragm, intercostals, which are the muscles between the ribs, and our pelvic floor. So until, about, until you open your mouth, you should be using your primary breathing muscles in your core, not using your secondary breathing muscles. Because if you start using your secondary breathing muscles too early, it becomes compensatory. Now we're compensating with upper body breathing at a threshold that we actually don't have to be working at. So to go back to what Luis was saying, we have to really train 
our breathing muscles and understand how to breathe before we can start taking things to another level. Well, I think the 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 podcast has been super packed on on good information, especially coming from Harrison here. Uh, this guy is like a mastermind of all of this, and I I love having him as a business partner because I kid you not, Brandon. Like every time I talk about breathing with Harrison, I can see the wheels really turning in his brain, and and I'm so proud of all the knowledge and experience that this guy has gained and. And now I apply it, you know. Um, I'm definitely not at, at his level of knowledge, you know. I'm, I operate more on on the fun side of things. Uh, but we are a very powerful combo with what we're trying to teach people with all of this stuff. And I I would love to just invite the listener to, hey, guys, like next time you're driving, can you drive your entire way, maybe doing like a box breathing pattern and seeing how your drive goes, you know. Uh, next time you get in the cold plunge or in the cold water, can you, instead of looking at the time and thinking measures, and oh, I need to s- sit in the cold water for three minutes or five minutes, like, can you go by feeling with your breath and and connecting the, the sensation or, or the experience with your breath and see see where you land? It's It's so powerful. And the same thing with exercise. Next time you work out, can you can you breathe through the nose the entire workout? Let's see what happens. Yeah, you know, first off, just to plug in, um, we use mouth tape sometimes. Dream Recovery has some fire mouth tape that we've been giving all of our members during workouts. But to go full circle with this, breathing, it's a practice. And we can build a toolbox around it to apply it to every single area of our life. So... Like Luis was saying, just become more mindful of it. It will really start to change your life because if we can learn to control our breath, we can start to control our life. And that's a pretty powerful saying right there with something that is typically an involuntary function. So just start to make it conscious, bring it to your awareness, start to apply it to different modalities, and it truly, truly will make a massive impact on your life. And then go share it with others because a lot of us in society need it. It's um, something that is simple. You don't have to pay any money. It's free and it's accessible and we can all use it. People can check out um, some video of, of some of the breath exercises and concepts that we talked about today on saunastrong.com um, as well as the Sauna Poppy Lifestyle YouTube channel. And certainly they should come here if they're in Minneapolis or the Twin Cities and uh you know, incorporate breathing into their exercises um, and and let these guys, you know, show them how to breathe more uh, with more intention and, and have it, you know, be more incorporated into their uh, daily motions, flow, workouts, really every part of your day. Because like you said, you can bring it home and stop yourself from, taking the wrong turn in a conversation if if you're feeling stressed out by it um, or at work or whatever it is. Um, being mindful and aware of, of your breath, like you guys have been pointing out throughout this episode, it makes a huge difference. And you can be in control of things that you never thought you could be in control of. It's really cool. Um, 
So I think that's it for us today. Thanks to Poppy and Harrison, uh, especially to Harrison today for taking us down the, the pathway that you're clearly so passionate and knowledgeable about. Let's all become super breathers. <laughs> <laughs>